I'm just talking, babbling. This is what you came here for, isn't it? Hello everyone and welcome back to So I Got My BFA, dot dot dot. My name is Kelsey McFall and I am the host of this podcast. If you're a returning listener, thank you guys so much for coming back. If you're new, this is a podcast where I basically talk about things that I feel that I am qualified to talk about because I just recently graduated with my BFA. And as I'm speaking, I should probably say this. Guys, I'm finally back in New York. I have moved in. I'm all settled in. I'm here alone <laughs> until my roommate gets here. And I just couldn't be happier. But I wanted to point that out because there's it's raining today. There's a lot of car horns in the background. Hopefully we're able to cut this out in editing, but there's a lot of ambient noise behind me. That's just welcome to city life, I guess. But I'm super excited to be back. I'm super excited to start living my adult life as a recent graduate. And I, yeah, I just couldn't be happier. I've missed the city so much. I've just missed this atmosphere and I can't wait to get back in the swing of things. There's another car horn. I have a bit of a new setup here because I unfortunately could not bring my very fancy professional mic that I was using in the previous episodes because it belongs to my brother who is still in Texas. So I have a bit of a different setup. I am recording with the microphone of my headphones and um, so if the sound quality is a little off, just go with it guys. I'm, I'm trying to get things figured out now that I'm here, but we'll get back into the swing of things. Everything's going to be great. And hey, I'm still providing content, so... Nothing's gonna stop me from giving you the content you want to hear. Okay guys, I hope you're ready for a really special episode of So I Got My BFA today. Because today, on the day that this podcast is released, it is Halloween! Yay! Or boo! Or I, I don't know what sound effect goes with Halloween. But we're excited. So today is gonna be a very spooky edition of So I Got My BFA, but not too spooky because let's be honest, I'm like the biggest scaredy cat in the entire world. I literally jump at the side of my own shadow. I, I don't love Halloween because I get frightened easily and I don't feel like I get to enjoy like all of the benefits of Halloween. A lot of my friends like to go to haunted houses or, or haunted corn mazes or pumpkin patches and stuff like that. And I just, I can't do it guys. I don't want to put, I cannot put myself in a position where I am willingly scaring myself. I just like, I won't be able to sleep at night and then I'll just have a horrible like week. I just can't do it. I, I'm too scared. I get scared so easily. I don't get to watch all of the horror films that the, the kiddos watch around Halloween. Cause I just like, I don't like to be freaked out. I don't like to go to sleep and not be able to shut my eyes or turn the lights up. I don't like it. So I just choose to not participate in that. <laughs> but we are about to get a little spooky. Everything is gonna have a Halloween themed twist on it. So get ready. But before we get into that, of course, we're gonna start with the blooper reel. This blooper reel is kind of, it's, it's smaller than last time. So that means we're improving and we're getting better. But I, I don't know if this will be a recurring segment because I don't know if I'm gonna make an error every time, but you know what? I'm not perfect, so I probably will. But let's get right into this. Guys, I know, I know the four listeners who are listening to this are gonna be really disappointed in me, but I still have yet to watch Ragtime. I'm sorry, I just haven't. I got really busy. I, guys, I have an excuse. I was moving. I was packing and I was traveling and then I was moving in and I just I just didn't have time for it. And in my defense, I have not had Wi-Fi until today. That's why this podcast is coming out a day late when really it all works out because now it's gonna come out on Halloween and not the day before. So I kind of prefer that, but I just got Wi-Fi and I just haven't really been able to do anything while I'm here except for like read the 10 books that are in my room as of current. So it's not my fault. I, I will watch it next week, I promise. I will watch it before next week. I don't have anything else to do right now except for like search for jobs and buy things for my room. So that's the only obligations I have. I will watch it by next week and I, will, I won't review it next week, but I'll, I'll tell you that I watched it and I'll give you my opinion on it. Don't worry about it, it's gonna happen. Okay, now that we've done, now that we've covered the, that important thing. Last, last podcast, I said that I was gonna call this very segment Kelsey's Cracks. It's not gonna happen 
happen, guys. It sounds weird and it sounds bad and I just feel like that alliteration doesn't work. It just, it just doesn't work. I don't like it. So I'm just gonna stick with the theme of professional film theater lingo and we're gonna just call it the blooper reel. That's what I called it last time and I really liked it because it felt very on brand. So it, it's gonna be called the blooper reel. We're not calling it Kelsey's Cracks. Don't worry about it. The next thing I wanna talk about is literally no one pointed this out, but I'm gonna point it out because I feel like maybe a few listeners were like, why when she talked about the Tonys, did she not talk about any of the plays? Guys, I just, I didn't get to see any of the stuff before the shutdown. I was like in the, I was in the midst of my senior year. I was in a production. So like my days and my weeks were fully booked. And then the shutdown happened the minute we closed the production. So I did not get to see any of the plays that are up for nominations. And I'll be honest, I don't really know too much about any of them. That's why I didn't comment on them. I knew the musicals, even though I haven't seen them, I knew what they were about. And I knew, I've heard like through the grapevine, I've heard opinions and reviews on them. But the plays I didn't really know much about. That's why I didn't talk about them. That concludes the blooper reel. I don't know. I think the blooper reel is fun. And it's, it's a fun way for me to point out things that I've noticed my own flaws. Okay, guys, let's talk about Halloween. It's a very exciting holiday. You get to eat candy and dress up as whatever you want and pretend to not be you for the day. And it's me to eat as much candy as you want to. I will say that for adults, it's not as fun because you don't get to, you have to like buy your own candy and people won't give it to you as willingly. But there are other perks, right? I mean, you can have a Halloween party. Those are always fun, always great. Or you can just choose to stay home, pour yourself a bucket of candy that you bought from Rite Aid and just watch Halloween movies. I personally like to watch all of the original Disney Channel Halloween movies because those are the least scary. But of course, I always have to watch Hocus Pocus. It's one of my favorites. I mean, come on, Bette Midler in a red wig as a witch. That's all That's all you had to say. That's all you had to say and I'm there. It's a great movie. I also watched, I'm not going to do a review on this because my brother and I are going to talk about this on our podcast, McFall Squared. You should check it out. But I watched this movie called Hubie Halloween and it's a new Adam Sandler movie on Netflix right now. <sighs> Guys, I just feel like the content that we're creating nowadays just isn't up to par. That's all I'm going to say on that. If you want to hear more of my opinion, you can check out McFall Squared. We're going to give a full review on it on, on that podcast. But just, I mean, if you want to watch it and you want like a like a like something to like waste time on, like go ahead, go ahead and watch it. But that's all I'm going to say. This Halloween is going to be pretty boring for me, guys. Or it's going to end up being the best Halloween I've ever had and I just don't know it yet. But I'm just planning on dressing up in clothes that I have and calling it a costume. I'm going to put some makeup on and then I'm I'm gonna, again, I'm gonna participate in this. I'm just gonna pour myself a bowl of chocolate, pig out, and watch some Halloween movies. And that's gonna be my Halloween. Guys, I've I've turned 23 and I've become an old woman. Like I just got here. So like, and obviously Corona is happening. So there aren't many parties happening. I don't think anyone's really throwing one. No one that I really know. There's only a few people that I know are actually up here. But I feel like even if I got invited to one, I just wouldn't want to go <laughs> because I am an old lady now. I just like have not been in a party mood. Maybe that will change down the line and maybe I'll be more willing once Corona, Miss Corona decides to leave the building, but I just haven't been in that mood. I kind of like being by myself, which is awful. But I mean, once I start to get around people again, it'll it'll pick back up. But like right now, I'm like kind of just chilling. So I'm just gonna spend a nice night tonight on my own and it's gonna be great. We're gonna have a party. It's gonna be amazing. I want to talk about some of my favorite Halloween costumes from my past and tell you and maybe give you an inspiration. I mean, I know today is Halloween. I'm filming this a few days before Halloween, but obviously today is Halloween and there's no time to change your costume now. And hopefully you have one picked, but maybe for next year, I just want to talk about some of my past costumes. My absolute favorite group costume that I had ever done, the Spice Girls. My sophomore year of college, I lived in a suite in the dorms. So it was five of us in one one suite. We each had our own rooms and a, a common living room. And we were like the perfect bunch to do the Spice Girls. It was like ridiculous how crazy it was. It was all my idea. I mean, I seriously looked at us and I said, we have to do the Spice Girls. I was Sporty Spice. 
and we had the, we had the perfect just like the perfect combination of people our baby spice on par our posh spice perfect scary spice literally could not find someone better in our class like come on and our ginger spice was <laughs> um it's so funny because she used to be blonde with really long hair and then she had just recently cut her hair and dyed it red so like it was like a very last minute thing but she and she turns out she's just the perfect ginger spice so that is my favorite group outfit i just feel so clever for thinking that that it was my my plan and my thought to do that as a group outfit i was very proud of it my favorite group outfit. One of my favorite costumes is what I went as last year. I went as Lola Bunny from Space Jams. Space Jams was one of my favorite movie growing up. I love that Michael Jordan was like, yeah. Anyway, it was the cutest outfit. It, it, very, it felt very much like me. Like I feel like I'm very <laughs> similar to Lola Bunny, except for I'm not too good on the flirting thing. So <laughs> minus that, but like the athletic, but also cute girl, like that's that's me. So it, was, it felt very me. What else have I done? I've, I mean, I've been the classic black cat. Uh, my freshman year, I was Arizona Robbins in Grey's Anatomy, one of my favorite actresses, which actually we're going to get to uh, in the weekly session. So just hold on. But Halloween is just a fun time. I really like to dress up as people or characters that I am really vibing with at the, that moment in time. But like, you can just be whatever you want. That's the best part about Halloween. Like, go with something scary, go with something kooky, like be weird, be cute, be sexy, just be whatever you want. That's the best part about Halloween. And Halloween, without all the spookiness and just the cuteness, the perfect, the perfect Halloween and chocolate. Now that we've discussed the holiday, we're gonna talk about my weekly obsessions, but my spooky weekly obsessions. <laughs> if I've heard that if you say spooky, like spooky, it really, it just really just adds another layer to the spookiness of it all. <laughs> but okay, my first weekly obsession are two musical albums that I think you should listen to right now. The first one is Lizzie, a musical about Lizzie Borden, the axe murderer, um, or the supposed axe murderer. And it is this it is the coolest hop rock musical. It's an all-female cast. My friend was actually in one of the very first production and she's the one that really got me onto it. She, she told me that I should sing or put a song from it in my book. And so I went and listened to the album and oh my gosh, I don't think there's a skip song in that album. It is so good. It's so scary. The music is like, it's got like the best like spooky vibe to it. It's amazing. Go check it out. The second one, I have to give a shout out to Carrie the musical. Even though that they say that this is the biggest flop that Broadway has ever seen. I get it. I know it. But Carrie has a very special place in my heart. And also the soundtrack is the revival. Let's talk about the revival. I don't think I've ever listened to the original, but the revival soundtrack slaps guys. It's so good. It has like bangers. It's got some ballads. It's very, very good. And Carrie will always have a very special place in my heart because it was a big chunk of my college career and me finding myself. Um, I was in a scene. I played, I played Carrie in a scene for our musical scene study class. And that was really the first time I feel like I finally got over the hurdle and I like took a new leap forward in my in my training. It just, it was so special. The scene was great. I got to be with one of my best friends and it was actually, she was dropping out that semester. So it was her last scene. So it was a very special scene. And it we did Carrie into Eve was weak. And it was just, it was so dramatic guys. The stage combat that went on in it was crazy. It was great. And it was the, it was the first time I felt like I really stepped out of my shell and took a giant leap forward into becoming a better actress. And another thing that has to do with Carrie is that I am actually singing the world according to Chris for my showcase song when we whenever we do our showcase I believe now we're gonna we've decided to film it and send it out to people so thank you corona for taking away our live showcase but it's all gonna work out and we're ve I'm very grateful to the staff and everyone who's putting it together yeah Carrie is just like it's been such a big part of my college collegiate career and 
I, it just has a very special place in my heart. So I would be doing it a disservice if I did not make it a weekly obsession on Spooky Week of the podcast. So go listen to those two musicals. It, it's a, If you're looking for a new album and you haven't ever listened to them before, they are great. They're so fun. And they've got some real jams in there that you're really going to like. My next obsession is not a spooky obsession. However, Halloween is a plot point in the movie. So I can talk about it. Guys, I'm so excited. It's called, this is a movie called Holidate. I have been waiting for this movie to come out for two years now. I believe a year and a half ago, they announced the cast of it. And I really thought it was going to come out like that December. Oh, no, 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 no. They were just starting to film it. And so I had to wait a whole year but it's finally out. Let me tell you, let me just put you on this all-star cast that I'm about to give you right now. Okay, ready? Emma Roberts, brilliant, fantastic, amazing. Jessica Capshaw, all the way full circle back, one of my favorite actresses. I, I probably have about four or five actresses that I will talk about nonstop because I think they're so good and their acting is so dynamic. And I've, I've talked about a few of them in the past being Sutton Foster and Lauren Graham, but Jessica Capshaw is right on up there. She's most known for Arizona Robbins and Grey's Anatomy, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite characters. Uh, oh, when they announced that she was leaving Grey's Anatomy, I literally sobbed and I was on a train back from Cap 21, back to Long Island, I sobbed on the train and the man next to me asked me if I needed a tissue. Like, it was bad. Regardless, she's in this movie. This is She's one of the biggest reasons I've been waiting for forever. I'm so excited, or I was so excited to see her on my screen again and see her in action. She's great. I watched the movie last night. It came out yesterday, which was the 28th. So it came out on the 28th. It's available on Netflix. Go watch it. It's a romantic comedy. I didn't even finish talking about the cast, so I'm going to get back to that. Um, Luke Bracey. Whew, guys, he is looking good in this movie. He is, he is sexy in this movie he's just got all of the all of the right the wardrobe is killing it he plays golf so he's constantly like in khaki pants you know what you know what i'm talking about ladies and his oh i love an australian accent it's so good but the last time i saw luke bracey in something was dance academy and he was i feel like he wasn't that young but he was like younger and boy did he have a glow up i mean yes fine his acting is great like whatever that's besides the point but he is a very nice leading man to look at in this movie. And then to round out this beautiful all-star cast we got going on here, Christian Chenoweth is in this movie as a sexy aunt, and she is killing it. Guys, just imagine Christian Chenoweth as the slutty aunt who brings a new man to every single holiday, and she is, she's so great. She's just so funny. She is one of the best character actresses I've ever watched just like she she's so unique and there's no one out there like her and I love seeing that in an actress she, and she she's not even the biggest role in this movie but she steals the show bar none she is great so guys go check out this movie I personally like I will say this on the record I'm not a, the biggest fan of romantic comedies I there's just my, not my cup of tea but this was a pretty good one and I feel like it it kind of made fun of romantic comedies throughout the dialogue a little bit they did make fun of it but if you love a, ro a rom-com go watch it it's everything you want in it it's it's the two people who are are destined to be together that there's a complication on why they can't be together and then they end up being together and it's 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 fun loving it's fun it's funny and it, it's got an all-star cast so weekly obsession there is a halloween segment which is why i can put it in this week's spooky weekly obsessions to round out my weekly obsessions i want to talk about my favorite spooky actress and she's actually going to make a reappearance in our musical of the week guys helena bonham carter is the best spooky actress and i'm just putting that out there on the record i said it there I said it, she's amazing and she is stunning. Her work is just so cool and fun to watch. It is amazing and fun fact, I actually read this yesterday when I was just, I was just like looking up things that she's been in. Fun fact, she used to be cast as the like pretty, the young, youthful, naive ingenue characters. And we actually had to watch, I don't remember what it was called, but we had to watch something that she was in when she was typecast as those types of roles in our voice and speech class. And I remember sitting there watching it and I was like, oh my gosh, 
that's Helena Bottom Carter. What is she doing not being creepy and being all sweet and lovey and ingenue-esque? Like, it was so weird. But I read something that said she, she had always been put in that box and she never felt comfortable playing those roles because she just, that's not who she felt like she was. And so she stepped she branched herself out. She redefined her type. And now she is obviously one of the best witchy, spooky character actresses out there, I believe. She's so good. I've seen her in everything. I, I, I mean, lame is amazing. Alice in Wonderland, the Red Queen, come on. Bellatrix Lestrange in Harry Potter, my idol. Like, come on, she's so good. And I just feel like she's, that's, I mean, her story is just like a really good role model for like everyone who gets put in this box as a specific type, but they don't really feel like they want to be that type. So like, don't, there, there's lesson number one of the day. Don't let anyone put you in a box. Go out, know, know what people are going to perceive you as and change their minds. You know, you don't have to put yourself in a box. Do what you want to do and do it your way. You know, that's all I have to say. Guys, that rounds out our weekly obsessions. So now you know what's coming. The musical of the week. Woo! I don't, guys, I'm eventually, like I said, I'm going to come up with jingles for these one days, but... Until then, you're just going to get weird, kooky, Kelsey, singing, whatever. All right, guys, I did it. You, I said, if you've listened to the first episode of this podcast, you've heard me say that I've never seen Sweeney Todd because it scares me and I'm a scaredy cat. Do you guys want to know what I've done for you? I watched Sweeney Todd at 11 p.m. by myself in a brand new New York apartment. That is what I've done for you because I just feel like this is the perfect time to review this musical. So I watched it. I did not enjoy the goriness of it. I did not enjoy the spookiness of it, but I did it and I'm here to give you my review. So get ready for that. All right, guys, you guys already know what we're going to start out with. We're going to start off with my favorite segment, the Wikipedia synopsis. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Evil Judge Turpin lusts for the beautiful wife of a London barber and transports him to Australia for a crime he did not commit. Returning after 15 years and calling himself Sweeney Todd, the now madman vows for revenge, applying his razor to unlucky customers and shuttling their bodies down to Miss Lovett, who uses them in her meat pie shop. Though many fall to his blade, he will not be satisfied until he slits Turpin's throat. Dun, dun, dun. Raise your razor high. Am I allowed to sing that? Am I going to cut copyrighted? I don't think so. It'll be fine. Guys, this musical was pretty good. I gotta say it. It was, was it scary? Yeah. Was it creepy? Yeah. Was it pretty gross? Yeah. But everything else? Pretty on par. Pretty satisfactory. I mean, guys, it's Sondheim. Like, you can't be unsatisfied watching a Sondheim show simply because the music is everything. I mean, come on. Like, even Merrily We Roll Along. It, was it a flop? Sure. But is the music still fantastic? Absolutely. Like, he's just... I, I, don't, I don't even have words to describe the feelings that his scores bring to my body. Like, it's just phenomenal. I mean, I could listen to him all day long. It's just so good. And I had heard a, a few songs from Sweeney Todd before, like obviously in class and, you know, here and there. But I've, I've just never listened to this entire score put together one after one after one. It's so good, guys. It's got the perfect vibe for this spooky, scary musical. It's it's just so good. It's so good. And I simply, I, I can't stop talking about how good of a composer Sondheim is. I just can't. So with that, let's just go ahead and get into it. Like I did last time, I'm just going to hop around. So I have a couple of questions about this musical though, because although I do think it's great, I feel like I do have questions about it. And just to preface this, just so everyone knows, I did not watch the musical. I watched the movie adaptation of the musical. And I do know that it is different. I know that all of the scenes are not in there from the original musical are not in the movie. I do acknowledge that. And I just want everyone to know that I am judging the movie, 
not the musical. So if there's some things that I say that you're like, well, that's covered in the musical. Well, sorry, I'm talking about solely the movie. I have not seen the musical version, the stage version. I've only seen the movie. So I just want to put that out there right now. I have some questions. Why is the Joanna and Anthony storyline just so subpar? Because I feel like that's like one of the central relationships in the show and it just kind of got brushed to the wayside and we don't see anything about them and here's what i don't understand and this is just like fantastical movie musical type of things that happen this is just the plot lines that, that occur but can um he really hear joanna singing green finch and Lynette bird from her closed window seal and then how does he fall in love with her in an instant that's like a a, a reoccurring issue that i saw throughout this musical with miss lovett and sweeney too it feels like miss lovett fell in love with sweeney todd in literally one second because he was singing to his razors and all of a sudden she comes up behind him and she's like I'm your friend too, Mr. Todd. And it's just like, is she in love with him? Because they just met. Or do they have a backstory that I don't know about? Because I don't think I missed that. But going back to the Joanna and Anthony storyline, I just feel like it was under super, super underdeveloped. And I, I just was confused because all of a sudden they're getting married and they want to elope. And I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't understand. She throws him a key at one point, but I feel like they haven't even had a conversation. There was no interaction between the two of them, and all of a sudden they're in love and they're going to get married. I don't understand it. I don't get it, but I, but I will give it a pass because it's fantastical plot line, I guess? I don't know. I just feel like I wanted that storyline itself to be more developed. Also, let's talk about Joanna. Whew. This is one of my favorite male songs in the musical theater canon. Maria... The moment of Maria in West Side Story and the moment of Joanna in Sweeney Todd were like the exact same moments, right? Like they see they see the girl for like one second and then they do a slow walk and sing about <laughs> the beautiful maiden they've just barely encountered and they just sing a whole song about their name. I don't know guys, it seems like the same thing to me. I'm not gonna diss it because the music, the, the song is beautiful and I would not like it to not be in the musical. It's an amazing moment. But again, they haven't even met. It's very Romeo and Juliet where like they meet and like fall in love. Okay, now that we've talked, now that we've talked about that, let's talk about the overall storyline of Sweeney's departure into madness. I understand that the worst thing that could probably happen to you in this world is someone in of a superior le level falling in love with your wife and having you transported to a different place for a crime you did not commit just so he could marry her, date her, do bad, rape her. Like, oh my gosh. I understand that that is like the worst thing that could happen to you, but does it really cause you to become a serial killer? Does it drive you that mad? I don't know. I don't know. That seemed a little creepy to me. It, it, it almost seems like he probably had some serial killer tendencies before this all happened. I mean, he's a madman when he comes back. Uh, in the in the prologue, when they set him up, he seems like a very reasonable guy, right? Like a nice, like typical guy. And then when he comes back, he is, I, I get it. He wants revenge. He's seeking vengeance. I get it. But he's crazy. He is insane. And I, I don't know. I just feel like being a little dramatic. Like, get your revenge on the guy, right? Sure. Maybe you don't have to kill him. I don't know. I'm just trying to think like a logical human being as someone without serial killer tendencies, I guess. <laughs> but, um... But then, of course, there it would not have made for a very good musical if that had happened. So I guess I should just, like, let it be and let, let the writers write what they're going to write and just let, let it be, you know? When he first comes to the pie shop, it's kind of, again, like, out of nowhere. He, he's kind of just coming in, and Lovett is singing Helena Bonham Carter, by the way, amazing. And she's also stunning in this. Like, she looks beautiful. Even though she's supposed to look witchy and like haggy, she looks great. Anyway, she's singing about how she has the worst pies in London. Here's the other thing. How do her pies get better with human meat? I don't know. Just thinking about eating a human doesn't sound very appetizing to me. So I don't know what she's putting in those pies pre-human meat, but I don't know how human meat could make it any better. That's all I have to say. So she's singing about the worst pies in London. 
and then all of a sudden Sweeney's gonna open a barbershop above her. Well, actually, no, this is a plotline that I understand because that was his old uh, barbershop. So, okay, I get that. It just seems very random that the two of them meet and Lovett is instantly in love with Sweeney Todd. I don't know. Also, where did the name Sweeney Todd come from? It's a very like odd name. What if, what was he, Benjamin Barker, Parker, one of them. How did he get Sweeney Todd from that? A question that might have been answered in the actual musical, or I might have skipped over it, but at this point in moment in my life, I do not know the answer to. <laughs> um, guys, Alan Rickman, come on. Okay, first of all, I was watching this, and I was like, why is this Harry Potter? <laughs> so many of the actors from Harry Potter are in this, but I love me some Alan Rickman, even though he plays the role very similarly to the way he played Snape. It's that very like somber, like I don't open my mouth type of acting. But he was scary in this. Like he was, oh, but then he started singing and I was like, mm, I love me some Alan Rickman. But at the same time, he was kind of, he was creepy. Like I was kind of digging it. And then Timothy Spall, of course, like he's, I feel like he is like the perfect for like roles like that, like the sidekick, the like kind of like goofy, doofusy, but evil sidekick. I love him as that. Again, like the same character as uh, he played in Harry Potter. So, so good. I did not know that either of them were in this. Why would I have never seen it? But when he came on stage, I said, when he came on stage, my theater talk, when he came onto the screen, I was like, that's Alan Rickman. Mm, I live for him. So I took notes while I was watching this. I literally was just writing what I was thinking. And when, when they came on the stage, I said, Peter Pettigrew. And Alan Rickman, because I couldn't even remember Timothy Swall's name at the at the time at that moment in time, and yeah, it's just fun. Um, I want to feel like I'm just gonna hop around some more. Oh, that one song, Purelli's famous elixir, great moment in the show. I thought it was funny. Um, I thought it was a good setup for what was going to happen, um, and how he was gonna get people to come. I felt like that was a really good. I just love the song. I want to talk about like the contest though. Purelli himself. Why was he singing when he was in a contest? What did he expect? Like like Sweeney was over there. Like he was at work. Like he was shaving away. And this other guy like who he's like I'm the greatest of all had like a, a soliloquy moment. And he was just off in his own world. And he wasn't even shaving. What did he expect was going to happen? Of course he was going to lose. Sweeney was working while you were having an operatic solo like what's going on i don't know it was crazy but also a really good moment and then just jumping forward guys when purelli comes over and reveals that he used to work for sweeney todd when he was benjamin barker parker guys i don't know i don't know i obviously did not look it up before i started filming this it's fine but when he revealed and then all of a sudden oh Todd just like, like murder, like for, for, I mean, I guess for a reason, but for, for not really a reason, like, I mean, in, in his mind and the way they had set it up, he came to get vengeance on Turpin, right? On the judge. I did not, I did not think that he was going to be, I mean, obviously, I know the movie, I know the musical, he's gonna kill, he becomes a serial killer, but like, it just seemed like he so easily killed him without like any remorse. And I guess that was kind of the first time where you see, oh, this guy is actually crazy and he's down for a lot more vengeance than he is talking about. Um, yeah, it was just it was crazy um, that he just killed him so, so easily. And then the kid downstairs, like, what were they going to do with him? I guess they figured it out. But my goodness, like, I don't know. I, I mean, I was, I guess I was expecting him to kill him. I would be lying if I said I wasn't. But it, it just felt like it came out of nowhere. And he just became crazy after that. I'm not going to talk about the beggar woman yet. I will talk about her later on in the show. Did anybody else think at the very beginning of this musical that Miss Lovett was actually Lucy? Because I, when I watched it, I literally like I wrote down in my notes, I said, this is me predicting Miss Lovett is Lucy. Um, she has disguised herself. And that's because I was trying to justify a reason as to why she fell in love with him so quickly like it was just crazy I, I'm about to spoil it obviously I was wrong like she is not but there was a time in the musical when I was like oh no she's not like this can't be her like she actually isn't but I really did think she was because she just falls in love with him so easily and she's so willing to do whatever he is like down to do like I mean when he tell tells her that he killed the guy like she's just like chill with it like she's like it doesn't even phase her I don't know she was just so willing to turn him into a pie 
which was crazy. Okay, and then I know I've jumped around so much, but now we're back on track, I think. We are to the point where we've all been waiting for. This is the moment Judge Turpin walks into the barbershop and Sweeney is about to have his revenge. Finally, this moment kept me so on the edge of my seat because for two reasons, obviously the first reason being, oh my gosh, he, this is the moment, like he's about to die. I thought this was the main character. How is he going to die so quickly? And I was on the edge of my seat because it was also like, this was too soon. It didn't seem like the right time for him to kill him. And also why was Sweeney giving him like the full shave? Did he want him to be clean shaved before he slit his throat? Like, I just feel like he had the opportunity to do it and then he wasted it, and then of course, something happens to where he, right before he's about to actually do the slip, Antony bursts through the door and, and reveals that he's going to elope with Joanna, which again, in the movie, kinda comes out of nowhere because two have not even spoken to each other. I don't get it, I've already said my piece on that. And then he gets so mad at Antony for ruining it. When he had the chance to do it, he just decided to give him a clean shave before doing it. But they have like that really beautifully written song, Pretty Women, which was one of my favorite songs in the show. Like it was just like a great duet between the two of them. And also Alan Rickman singing, I'm here for it all day. Yes, please. Thank you so much. It was so good. It was like one of the one moments, well, until the end, of course, that kept me on the edge of my seat. And I was like, is he going to do it? Oh, oh, he's, oh, oh, here it comes. And then he didn't do it. And I was like, oh, but, oh, oh. Oh, and then I was like, of course, they have to finish the song first before he can do the slitting. And then, of course, like, what did we expect? Of course he wasn't going to kill him. It was only, we were only an hour into the show. Like, it wasn't time yet. <laughs> Obviously, he had to be the last victim. And one of the questions I had before really watching it was, why does he go on this killing tirade if he's really only after one person? But then, what do they do? They completely explain it. They explain his motivation. He 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 goes he he goes off the deep end and he goes on a killing tirade until he can get back to the judge. And he I mean it, that moment in time just made him flip a switch. Like it was like he was like borderline serial killer and then like like he he just realizes he's like everyone deserves to die. You deserve to die. I I deserve to die like everyone. So I'm just going to kill everyone because I couldn't kill the one victim that I wanted to and I'm not going to wait for another chance for him to come back. I have to kill people right now and that's what I have to do. And Miss Love it's like, "Well, what are we going to do with the bodies?" And then of course, "Oh, I'll put them in my meat pies and serve them to people and that will make them great." Disgusting. Can you not tell that you're eating human? Come on, guys. Really? Really, you can't tell that you're eating human a human being. I guess none of us have ever actually tasted it before, so I guess you wouldn't be able to tell, but wouldn't it make you sick or something? I don't know. I also don't know how business, again, business is booming after she starts serving humans. Like what, how does human meat taste any better than what she was serving them before she started serving them human meat and making everyone cannibals without knowing it? Also, the little boy, I'll get to that later, but she's feeding him human meat and doesn't tell him and apparently they love each other, but I don't know. It's just, it's a very insane musical. And then of course, we'll get back to a, a little bit of a lighter subject. Um, Turpin, after he finds out that Joanna and Antony are going to elope, throws her and sends her to an, an insane asylum. Which, you know, is just casual. It's like the lighter part of Sweeney Todd, we'll call it. Insane, crazy. So Antony, of course, has to come up with this big, this big plan to rescue her. And Sweeney's on board because she's like, we got to get her out. That's my daughter. I don't like him. I don't want him doing this to her. It's, yeah, it's a whole thing. Guys, again, where did he find Miss Lovett? How did he find the craziest woman in town? I don't get it. Like, she's just like, oh, how about a little priest? And oh, what about this? and all the, this person will taste good because he has good genes. Like, she's insane. She is absolutely insane. Like, it's so crazy. And I don't know how he found the one person who would be willing to help him with serial killer ways. It's an, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, and I just want to mention again that he's doing this all for his wife who was taken away from him and then abused by the judge. And this is just all, I, I just want to make sure I mention this because this becomes important later on. This is all for her, all because she was abused and, and ended up what he thinks 
poisoning herself and killing herself and he just has so much vengeance built up and it's all for her it's all for her he it's just, it's just it's it's insane like the, the things that that occur that makes him become the person that he is a very unstable serial killer okay and then we get to what i presume is the second act obviously there is no first act second act in the movie but i feel i think that a little priest might be the act one finale and then of course, we arrive and her pie shop is booming and everyone's happy and cheery and these are the best pies in London and I'm a cannibal. Yay. <laughs> like, it's so crazy. And um, the beggar woman is like, yo, that chimney smells bad. Um, I don't know what's going on in there, but uh, this is not good. Like, she's, but no one believes her because she's crazy. She's the crazy beggar woman, right? Like, who, who would believe a crazy beggar woman who you see on the streets every day being crazy and saying random things. Who would believe her? No one, right? Literally no one. But of course there are suspicious smells coming because, you know, he's murdering the people and then they're cooking them and there's this whole montage. Guys, I did not, I did not need this part of the, sh the movie to be a thing. I just didn't. It was disgusting and I didn't need it. But it was just the whole montage of him slitting one after another, after another, after another's throats and then dumping them down into the furnace. Like, it was so graphic. Like, I literally, I mean, okay, I, I watched The Walking Dead, and that's pretty graphic. But I just feel like there was something else of it just being, like, it was all fresh blood, and it was just, like, it was so, like, he had, it was, oh my gosh, the look behind his eyes. Johnny Depp played this phenomenally. Like, he was just so good. But, like, there was just a look of no, like, he had no concern. He just did it. Like, it was like, yeah, I just slit this guy's throat and I'm not, I have no remorse for it. Like, utter psychopath. Crazy. And Johnny Depp played it so well. And so they had that whole montage and I was just like, I just did not want to watch it. I'm pretty sure every time I saw it coming, I, I like, looked away. Because I was, I mean, after I saw two, I was like, I don't need to see any more. I understand. And then they did about six more. Six more people was crazy oh my gosh and then they got to oh Anthony discovers where Joanna is so he finds her in the insane asylum and I don't know I didn't realize in the movie that it was an insane asylum I thought it was like a like a whorehouse kind of like he had sent her to like be, be prostituted out and that's kind of how it seemed how Antony got her out and now I can't remember was there like a I feel like he just said like that's the one I'm looking for and, he, and the, the creepy guy was like hey, 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 you're the one but I don't think there was an encounter I think in the musical there's an encounter where like they have to overtake whoever's running the insane asylum but it seemed to me like he got Joanna out of there pretty easily which again is what contributed to what I feel like was an underdeveloped storyline. And in the grand scheme of things, I feel like that storyline was really important to the plot. It became underdeveloped. So Antony gets Joanna and dresses her as a man so that she can basically hide him. Judge comes in and well, first of all, he kills Beetle, which is the judge's like right hand man. The the Tom Bar Sparling character. And then the judge comes in and he's like, but first, wouldn't you like a shave? And he's like, oh, I could go for a shave. And guys, the moment finally gets the kill. Finally gets it. This was, they sing Pretty Women, uh, Pretty Women re Reprise. And it's, it's a, it's a great moment. Like everything that he, well, it's, it's, that sounds kind of weird. It's not a great moment. Like he gets stabbed to death and then slits his, slits his throat. Wait. Okay, I got my plot line a little bit mixed up. So before all of this, the beggar woman comes up in search for the guy that Todd has just killed, Beetle Bamford. But she's like in, in search for him, I guess. And because she's crazy and super suspicious of Todd and all of the things that are going on in, in there. And Todd sees her and is like, you need to get out. Like you have to get out of here. Like, And then she is about to say something and he just slits her throat. And this is the point in the podcast where I'm going to read you my notes that I was taking while watching this because I just need everyone to know exactly the journey that I went on. So here's what I'm going to start at. I'm going to start at I'm going to start at when um the kid sings nothing's going to harm you. First of all, I just want to talk about this moment for a second. I I know this song. Like I've heard this song many times. I had no idea that it was sung by a child to Mrs. Lovett. Like it was just funny. Like he started singing it and I was like, this is really funny. Also really cute and really loving, but also super, super funny. Like I can't believe that this child is singing 
nothing's gonna harm you, not while I'm around, to, to Mrs. Lovett. It's so funny. But of course, he's suspicious of Todd, and she's like, oh no, he's fine, he's chill, you're cool. But okay, I'm just gonna start, now that I've gotten that out of the way, I'm just gonna start. At this moment in time, I've realized that Mrs. Lovett is not Lucy, but I start getting suspicious of the beggar woman because she's like at that one of those minor characters where you're like, she seems like a really minor character, but why does she keep coming back? And why are we putting any type of significant importance behind her? And at that moment I said, oh my gosh, I think that the beggar woman is actually Lucy. Okay, so here are my notes from that moment from Nothing's Gonna Harm You on to the end of the show. And this is how I'll wrap up like kind of my talking about the show because I just feel like <laughs> this is the only way to describe it. There are um, certain words in my notes that I will just go mm-hmm on because this is a, a, a family-friendly podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We are family-friendly here, so again... Just to reiterate, these are the notes that I was taking as I was watching the show. They were just very quickly typing all, basically my feelings like word vomited onto a thing of notes. This mother-son moment is really nice. I swear to God, is she going to tell the kid what is in the pies? He's going to flip out. <gasps> the meat grinder, oh my God. She is feeding this kid whom she loves human meat. How did her pies get better with human meat? What the was she putting in them before? The Joanna Anthony storyline simply does not make sense to me. No, wait, the beggar woman is totally Lucy. Oh my God. Okay, and just to, I'm very off the notes. Lucy is his, is the name of his former wife, whom she, whom he had Joanna with, who he gets, who gets taken away from him at the very beginning of the musical. I don't know if I said that, but that's, Okay, back to the notes. No, 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 not a toe in the pie. Oh my God, no. This is the kid is like eating a pie and finds a toe in the pie. Disgusting. Oh my gosh, the beggar woman. Oh my gosh, Sweeney. Oh my God. He just mm -mm, slit her throat. Oh my God, oh my God. Was she Lucy? Did he just mm -mm, kill the one reason he's killing in the first place? I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> that was all in caps. Just, just go with it. I'm stressed. <gasps> she was Lucy. Oh my god. Ooh, Lovett is about to get the slit. How did Lovett love him in literally one second? I'm so confused. <gasps> he just burned her alive. I, I can't breathe. Oh, kid to the rescue. Goodbye, Todd. Dang, with his own blade too. He took it like a champ. I don't like this image, TBH. To tell you what the image was, it was um, the kid slits his throat and then it just the, the like last shot of the movie is him sitting over Lucy whom he had just killed just with like his throat like bleeding just gushing blood out and he, he dies and that's like the last shot of the show. I kind of wish we had seen the aftermath of that but it's okay. I'm okay with that being the end of the show. But guys I like literally that is everything that I just I read you guys. Did you like my my actor interpretation of my notes though. Was it great? Did you love it? Should I do it again? <laughs> that is how I felt. I was so stressed. The end of the show was, oh my gosh, that's just like, it's like what you want at the end of a horror movie. You want, I guess, I mean, I don't really watch horror movies as I've said, but it was just like, it was so, so stressful. And uh, I was, I was like jumpy. And this was, it, at this point it was midnight. So I was like a little freaked out and it was just so good. And it was such a good tie together ending of a show. It was great. It was great. The show was really, really good. Do I think there were some issues? Do I think there were underlying uh, plot lines that did not get fully developed? Yeah, sure. Overall, the show was amazing. I loved it. And now that I'm done kind of talking about the show itself, I want to get to some questions that I typed as I was watching the show. Did the judge get what he deserved? Yeah, I think so. I think that he was a really awful person. And while killing someone is not the right way to go about things in real life in a movie time in musical yeah that's probably the way he needed to go I don't think jail what would have served him right I feel like he needed to go he's a very 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 evil character and Todd got what he wanted 
and Todd also got what he deserved at the end too. Let's just leave it at that. I asked this question earlier, do we think that Todd had always had serial killer tendencies? I feel like he must have. I just don't feel like, I know he was like, oh, he got torn away from his wife and his child and then for 17 years had to just sit on that. But I feel like someone doesn't just turn that insane on a, on a dime, really. You know, I feel like he, he must have has always had tendencies of a serial killer. Again, I asked this. What's up with Lovett being in love with him immediately? Is there a previous relationship that we don't see? This is like kind of table work stuff that you talk about, but it's just questions I had as I was watching it. I don't think there was a previous relationship, but like I said, Lovett is just as crazy as he is, so I guess it kind of makes sense that she just, you know, instantly feels things. Also, that whole song, By the Sea, kind of feel, felt like it came out of nowhere. I wasn't a, the biggest fan of that song, and I feel like it didn't add too much to the plot of it all. But I guess we got to see what Lovett's like, view on the whole thing was, and if that's the way she was feeling, then, you know, that's the way she got to feel. My next question is, how on earth did Ant Antony and Joanna fall in love through a window? Like, literally, why did the movie put so little emphasis on this relationship when it was obviously such a big part of the plot? Like, I, and I know that the musical, we see more interaction between Antony and Joanna because I know for a fact that there's a scene called, uh, or a song called Kiss Me that was not in the movie. So I will give it a pass knowing that the musical probably develops that relationship a little bit more. But for the movie, I just felt like it was so, it, it, there was just not enough on that relationship for it to make sense in the long scheme of things. What happens if Todd is successful in his first attempt to kill the judge? Does he continue killing people or does he find does he find his vengeance and he is able to move on with his life? Like I I'm I want to know. Like I guess in my opinion, maybe he does finally feel better and he gets his revenge and he goes on and starts to live whatever type of normal life he can after it all. But I don't I don't know. I don't think people I don't think he goes on a killing tirade if he can kill the judge in the first part of it. And then this is this one is just like rhetorical, but what the heck is his obsession with his blades? Like <laughs> he is attached to those things. He sings a whole song to them. Like it's crazy. Like I mean that's when you really first see that like Todd has something going on in his brain. Like he is insane and and psychotic and he obviously obviously anyone who's singing to his blades is just that's that's my final question about the musical. Again, overall, solid solid musical. Okay, now let's talk about my favorite moment, my least favorite moment, and because this is a horror film or horror horror musical, I'm gonna talk about my OMG moments because there were some when I literally went, oh my god, literally. Okay, so my favorite moment, I think, was Pretty Women. Um, the first time that Todd attempts to kill Judge Turpin. It's just, I don't know. The song is so good and it's so like, Todd is like, you know, leading him on and, and Turpin is just like, yeah, you're right, pretty women, that's what makes the world go round. But Todd is like, you know, maniacally plotting, putting this in his mind. And I, it's just such a good moment. And it, it kept me on my toes because I was like, when is he gonna, when is he gonna do it? Oh, oh, he's gonna do it. Oh, he didn't do it. Oh, oh, and now he can't do it. Like, it, it was just a really good moment, I think. My least favorite moment was all of the, all of the stuff that Joanna and Antony, like that whole storyline. Again, I'm probably, now that I've seen it, I'm like, okay, I can watch the movie. If I can watch the movie, I can watch the stage version. Um, so I'm probably gonna go back and watch the stage version because I want to see, I want that, I want to be a fan of that relationship. I really do, because I think that it's, it's a good, it could, it could be a, a good relationship and a good moment in the show, but for as far as the movie, I felt like it was underdeveloped. And then uh, another one of my least favorite moments was By the Sea. Again, I just felt like it, it felt out of place. It didn't feel like it really fit in the musical. I don't know. It, I think they were trying to give Love It something like a little more like storyline, and I just felt like it was unnecessary. I don't think they needed it. Okay, now my OMG moments. <sighs> when he slit the beggar woman's throat, because at that moment, I had kind of come to the realization that the beggar woman was Lucy. Even though I wasn't sure about it, the moment he did it, because it was just so quick and instant too, like it, it literally came out of nowhere. And the moment he did it, I was like, he just killed the one reason that that he, he did, he's doing this all for. And again, I still didn't even know that she was Lucy because they don't reveal that until 
a little bit later, but it was just like, I was like, oh, no, he didn't. No, he did not. He can't, like, he can't come back from that. Like, there's no going back from that. Like, he just did that. And he doesn't even know. Like, it was so crazy. And then another OMG moment was when he literally almost killed Joanna too, because he thought that she was I mean, she was dressed in men's clothing. First of all, she didn't look like a guy at all. But one of that actresses was was one of the like most beautiful, like little tiny frail ingenues that they could have cast. Like she did not look like a dude. <laughs> and, but he really was, he was about to slit her throat until Judge Turpin came in and, you know, stopped all of that because obviously he was the main target of it all. But oh, he put that blade up to her throat. And I was like, oh, I was literally like grabbed onto the back of my chair and I went, no, <laughs> I was, because he had just killed the beggar woman and he was about to kill her and I just couldn't handle it. I could not handle that. <sighs> okay, that concludes my summary, my favorite moments. Let's give, I'm going to give my rating and then I'll talk about my dream cast. It was so good. I kept, it kept me on the edge of my seat the whole time. I think it was a little too graphic, which, you know, that's just me saying that. I'm sure like anyone else who likes to be scared or likes to watch horror movies probably doesn't have that same opinion. And then I feel like because the Anthony and Joanna storyline was just a little bit underdeveloped, I'm going to give it seven out of 10 worst pies in London which is actually a really bad rating system because that makes it sound bad. So I'll give a 7 out of 10 best pies in London. That's what I'm going to do. 7 out of 10 best pies in London. I feel like it could have gotten just a little bit higher if the Anthony Joanna storyline was just a little bit more developed. But overall, fantastic musical, fantastic score. I mean, the cast was phenomenal. Anything, anything you put, anything Sondheim you put in front of my face, I'm going to like it whether it's good or not. Like, that's just the truth. I, I love his, his work. And that's my rating of the musical. 7 out of 10. Best Pies in London. Let's talk about my dream cast. Dream cast. This is my dream cast. I'm pretty sure I did this jingle the last time. I'm really hoping that it doesn't stick because I'm not sure that it's the best option for it all. But that's okay. We'll stick with it for now. Okay, let's start with the one and only Sweeney Todd. Guys, Alan Cumming. Come on. Come on, I want, to, I know he might read a little bit too old for this role, which is fine, but I want to see it. He would be a great Sweeney Todd. I'm actually surprised. Actually, he might have, and I just don't know about it, but if he's never played Sweeney Todd in his career, I'm surprised about it because I feel like he'd be great. He'd be a great option. Mrs. Lovett, Annalie Ashford, right? I just see, like, I'm envisioning her interpretation of the prostitute and dog fight, and then I'm just transferring that over to how she would play Miss Lovett. And she's like one of she's she's kind of similar to Helena Bottom Carter, where she can come across as like that more like ingenue. She's a character actress, like she's great, she's amazing. She'd be a great Miss Lovett. Anthony, Aaron Tveit, signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. Am I gonna get copyrighted? I don't know how this works. Like, can I sing on this? I don't know. But he's, he would be a great Antony, period. Joanna, Danae Binton. Come on. Natasha, Joanna, same character. Like, come on. She'd be so good. She would be so good. Moving on. Judge Turpin, Victor Garber. I mean, he's great. All I can, again, like, I, I feel like I'm pulling this based off characters I've seen them play in the past, but, like, I just imagine him as Callahan and then him as the judge, and I feel like he would be super creepy and just a, a great option. Toby. Okay, this one, he's probably too old to play it now, but imagine him in 2012 when he played Gavroch and Les Mis. Daniel Huddlestone is his name. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like Toby and um, Gavroche are like the same character, right? Like they're just like young men who kind of act a little bit older than their age and he would be great. He's a little too old to play it now, but I feel like when he was, he played Gavroche at that age, that's what I want to see. Beetle, Chris, Christopher Fitzgerald. I want to see it. It'd be great. And then the beggar woman and Lucy. Okay, listen, I know that he sings about, I mean, I guess this is the same with my casting of Joanna, but they sing about their yellow hair all the time. Who cares? I don't care. But I want the beggar woman and Lucy to be played by Patina Miller. She is so good at that type of acting like the, like the crazy, like old hag that turns into the beautiful, full leading lady. Yeah, she's great. And I, again, like, I just think of her as the witch in Into the Woods, and then I transferred it over to Sweeney Todd. She'd be great. That's my dream cast. Tell me if you agree. Tell me if you disagree. I, I don't know. I just feel like 
I'm really killing it with the Dreamcast here lately. Guys, that wraps up our musical of the week. I can't believe that I watched that for you guys. I'm seriously like, I, I, I needed to watch it because I needed to get this recorded, but it was so late and I hadn't done it yet because I just, again, I had just moved in and I was so afraid because I was alone in the apartment and I was about to watch this really scary musical, but I did it, I got it done. And I'm so happy that I, I did because now I'm obsessed with it. Like, I love it. I want to listen to the soundtrack. I want to learn all of the lyrics to all of the songs. It's great. It's everything I wanted in a Sondheim musical, in a spooky musical. It's amazing. Go watch it. And now it is time to move on to the game portion of the podcast. We've made it. Again, in keeping in the theme of today, this is going to be a spooky edition of the game. So what I've done is I've found a bunch of questions and I've put them about spooky musicals and I've put them into a jar and I'm gonna do like a lightning round type of thing. So let me get a timer out. Okay, and so basically what I'm gonna do is I'm going to draw um, these questions out of a hat and I'm gonna give myself a minute and a half to do it because I feel like a minute is too short, 30 seconds is too short, but a minute and a half feels right. And I'm gonna answer as many questions as I can and these are just like favorite favorite spooky musical, like favorite whatever, dream role in whatever. Those are the types of questions. So, okay, I'm going to get a minute and 30 seconds on the clock. And, oh gosh, I don't know how to set this timer. I'm doing great, I'm doing great. And I'm going to try to answer as many questions as I can. Okay, three, two, one, go. Okay, um, favorite Halloween theme song, Mean Girl Sexy or Be More Chill Halloween? Um, sexy, Mean Girls. Okay, um... Which do you prefer, which way do you prefer to die? Eaten by a, oh no, gosh, eaten by a plant, a throat slit, and made into a pie, fire at prom, or murdered by axe? Um, um, maybe, uh, eaten by a plant, it seems the most humane. Okay, next. Dream role in a spooky musical. Um, oh gosh, uh, there's so many. Um, uh, Chris in Carrie, that's the one that came to my mind. Okay, next. Um, I'm so frantic. I'm so bad at this. Okay. Who would you most likely go on a second date with? The Phantom, Billy, or Edward Hyde? Oh no. Probably Edward Hyde. Right? I don't know. I have a strong connection to Jekyll and Hyde. That's why. Okay, next. Um, okay. Uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Superfan, buy a ticket, or never see? Young Frankenstein, Phantom of the Opera, or Jekyll and Hyde? Oh no, I have to put one in each category? Okay. Um, I'm gonna, uh, superfan over... Uh, Jekyll and Hyde, I'm gonna buy a ticket to Young Frankenstein and I'm never gonna see Phantom of the Opera. I'm sorry, my Phantom stands. I'm sorry, I don't like it. Okay, next. Um, favorite spooky musical? Oh gosh, oh gosh, I have 15 seconds. Okay, um, um, Little Shop of Horrors. There we go. Okay, um, which spooky musical best describes your life and why in five seconds? Oh gosh, I don't know. Maybe, um, uh, Carrie. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> why? Oh, okay, that's the time. I didn't get to explain why. I feel like I'm gonna say Carrie because I kind of felt like Carrie in high school. Like, no one really liked me. It's really sad. People liked me. I just felt like an outcast. And I, yeah, we don't have to get into it on this podcast, really. We can just keep moving on. That was the game. I'm so sorry. Everyone just like, let's just take a deep breath because that felt very frantic for me. And I know all of you listening were probably frantic too. So let's just take a collective breath. That's the game portion. To conclude this very spooky edition of So I Got My BFA, I'm gonna end with my BFA advice column. In keeping with the theme of spookiness, let's talk about the scariest thing that you can do as a musical theater performer, which is the audition process. Guys, I know. I know it never gets easier. It never gets less nerve wracking. Like you, because it's so important. Like right, you're auditioning for. If you're doing it professionally, you're auditioning for a job, for money to put food on your table. If you're doing it, I mean, even if you're doing it for fun, like and you really want to be in the show with your friends, like there's a whole there's a whole lot of things that surround the audition process that makes it nerve wracking, and it's never gonna stop being nerve wracking. But this is some advice that I got. From the, my last semester in college, we did a bunch of master classes with casting directors and a, a, an agent or two. And I think this is something that was collective throughout all of their all of our talkbacks. Listen, the casting team wants you to succeed, right? They have to sit through hundreds upon hundreds of auditions every single day, and they are looking for the person who's going to be perfect 
for the show that they're casting. They want to find that perfect person. So when you walk into the room, they want you to be that perfect person because then once they, if you are, then their job is done, right? Like then they've already found it. So they, they want nothing more than for you to walk into the audition room and succeed at your audition. They are not sitting back there judging you based on like what you're singing, based on like they, they aren't like criticizing you right? They want you to succeed. So just take a deep breath before you walk into the audition room and think about that. Think that the people behind the table are are looking for you to do amazing. They want you to come in and be the best that you can be. And and a lot of the times nerves gets in the way of that, right? Nerves can, can cause things to happen that you didn't necessarily expect to happen. So I get it. I would rather perform in front of a thousand people on stage than go in an audition for two people. That is far more scary than performing in front of thousands of people, in my opinion. And honestly, I feel like that's the opinion of a lot of performers, right? Because when we're on stage and we're performing for a big crowd, we're in costume, there are lights, like we feel like we're performing. When we're auditioning, it's very vulnerable because it's, you know, it's it's all you. There's only two people. You have you have to please two people. So that's a that's a, a lot less people to like you, right? Like because when you're performing in front of thousands, like if two people don't like you, but then the other, you know, 998 do, then like you've done a good job. But it, it, it's so it's a lot more nerve-wracking because you have to be yourself and you have to be vulnerable. You can't hide behind a character. I get it. It's scary. It's still scary for me. Like I hate the auditioning process. It's so it, it just it makes me nervous. But just remember the people behind the table want you to succeed. They are your friends in that moment in time, right? They are not the people they're not your enemies by far. They want nothing more but for you to succeed and for you to be the best that you can be and to have a successful audition, right? So go in Take a deep breath, give the audition of your life, and then walk out and don't think about it, right? Like, because that's the thing that can get in our minds and can get scary when we start thinking about it and critiquing everything that we just did. Do the audition, walk out, say, I did the best that I could have done in that moment in time, and wait. Whatever happens will happen. But just just reiterate, like, it doesn't have to be as scary as you, you don't have to put as much pressure on yourself as you probably are going into an audition. It will be a lot, it will go a lot better for you if you don't. So just remember, take a breath. People behind the table are not scary, right? They're, They're there for you. They want you to succeed. And that is probably one of the best things I learned in college in the four years. And it was it was at the very end of my training. It was it was just so great to hear professional casting directors say that to us. So I just wanted to relay that information to you guys. Make something that seems really, really scary, not so scary, right? And that's the best way to conclude the spooky podcast. A lot of the things that we think are scary are not as scary as we perceive them to be. And that's how you have to go through life, right? <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, guys, that concludes this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find this podcast on Spotify, and you can also find it on Apple Podcasts, which for you guys who don't know, it's that little purple app that says podcast on your iPhone that is already installed for you I only recently started using it a few weeks ago to be honest but um it has it has my podcast and it has a millions of other podcasts that are all free you can also listen to McFall Squared on there which is a podcast that I do with my brother and we just talk about um family things we play games we have a good time it's 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 a a, a fun podcast to listen to you can find me personally on Instagram at underscore Kelsey McFall K-E-L-S-E-Y M-C-F-A-L-L underscore that's my Instagram and you can also find me on TikTok at Kelsey MC 137 go check those out um, if you would, this really helps me out. If you would just leave this podcast, if you're on Apple podcast, you can leave me a review and you can give me a rating. And if you're on Spotify, if you just download the podcast, that helps me out so much. Thank you guys so much for listening. This podcast would not, it would not be worth doing if I did not know that I was at least reaching some people out there with this, right? Um, so thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you guys next week and happy Halloween. Bye guys.